When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to another edition of the 66 to 87 podcast. Uh, Tom Reed here along with Dave Molinari and a little bit later we will be joined by Tarek El-Bashir from The Athletic and also from Turner Sports and he'll, we'll be discussing the Washington Capitals, the, the Penguins' big rivalry and, and where that team is headed here in the next year or so for kind of similar tracks to where uh, I think where the Penguins find themselves in, and a similar try and a track that that, that has to be uh, engineered, so to speak, by the general manager and the president of Hockey Operations, Dave, uh, Ron Hextall and Brian Burke. It's been about eight months since these guys joined the organization after the kind of surprising news that Jim Rutherford was stepping down. Uh, and I thought it would be a good time as we get ready to start this season. Get, it gets going this week. Uh, we have uh, the Devo camp over the weekend. And then what day, the 22nd, is that right? Coming to the training camp gets going? Uh, 22nd for photos and physicals. Actual first day on the ice is the 23rd. Okay. This will be kind of the last step in Burke and Hextall's uh time with the, the team. In other words, they've done everything else. They've kind of gone through a regular season, didn't have a training camp, went through a regular season, went through a trade deadline, uh, went through a draft <laughs> such that it was with the, the few picks that they had, and they went through free agency. And we, we know there's not a whole lot of movement uh, over this summer. Some fans were wondering, oh, is there going to be more? Is there going to be more? Well, not, not much has happened since then. Dave, I want you to just to, to, I want to get your thoughts on the job that they have done from the day that they've gotten here to, till now. Uh, how have they done as far as kind of running this this team? Well, the, I mean, their time in charge has been a lot less eventful than I would have predicted that it would be back, you know, back when they were hired. Uh, you know, I, I understand there, <clears throat> there have been certain constraints, uh, you know, by, because of things like limited salary cap space. But I really thought they would change the roster more than they have, uh, mostly because uh, both of them have, have been pretty adamant since they arrived about wanting to add some more size and muscle uh, to their group. And, you know, they, they really haven't done that. And 
you know, as of the time we are recording this, I think they are a lesser team than they were, you know, at, at the end of their playoff series against the Islanders. Uh, so, in addition to uh, to the players, uh, you know, I think uh, the guys in the front office have a, a lot of work ahead of them. Yeah, I don't disagree with anything you said. I do think that they are in a <laughs> as unenviable position as you can be in with two future Hall of Famers still on your roster. Because normally, when you get when a job like this comes open, it means the team has probably bottomed out. Normally, and that means a, a general manager or coach have been swept out, or it means they have failed. They've they they were unable to uh, get make any deep playoff runs anymore. That really wasn't the case here, even though it was. I think we both agree that it has been kind of going downhill for the last couple years. I don't think that's a stretch. I, the I think the one big move that they made in, in acquiring their biggest move has been a good one. Uh, and Jeff Carter. And again, that's not a huge move, but I think that helped them win a division title last year. And he was, I think he was their best player in the playoffs. And with, with the Crosby injury right away this season, at least it gives them someone that they know that can kind of maybe move in to the center ice position if they, if they have to and fill one of those roles. Your thoughts on, 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 on was unquestionably their biggest move to this point. Yeah, it was their biggest, and certainly if uh, if every move would work out as well as uh, as that one has, uh, you know, maybe they would actually be able to rebuild and reload at the same time. Yeah, uh, which you know those those objectives are are at cross purposes. It's kind of tough to get better right now at the same time as you're getting better for the future. Uh, uh, you know, Hextall definitely hit a home run or at least an extra base hit uh, with that one. Uh, but, you know, it's it's the only trade uh, of real consequence that, that he's been involved with. I don't think, you know, bringing in Mark Friedman, you know, is, uh, is of the same magnitude. And, you know, there were guys came in and, and departed via free agency, but that, you know, that's going to happen every year. Um, I, as I said, I, I, I expected more activity. Uh, there still is a chance to do that. You know, he still has way over a month before the season starts. And then you don't really have to have your roster finalized until the trade deadline, assuming you're not out of playoff contention by the time the deadline gets here. <laughs> you know, so, th so there is time, and I, I'm not a fan of, of making trades for the sake of making trades. I think you should only do it if you think you're, you're making your team better, whether it's now or in the future. But, I, I mean, I certainly did expect him to do more. Um, we don't know how much he's tried to do, you know, behind the scenes that we just haven't been, uh, been privy to finding out about, you know, he doesn't, uh, make a habit of sharing his plans with people on the outside, but, uh, you know, now that he has a, uh, a pretty good sense of what he has in the organization and he should certainly have a better one, you know, at the conclusion of this camp after he's seen a lot of the, uh, better prospects 
who are in the pipeline. Uh, perhaps we'll see him get a little more aggressive uh, on the trade front. Did you think, uh, you know, the, 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 the story, and we've talked about it a lot uh, since, the, since the playoff, the short playoff run ended, did you think that they would try to make a move for a goaltender? Because that's been one of the stories, and we've had guests on the show that go back and forth on this. Yes, they should really be looking for a veteran to bring in there to at least be, if not a 1A, 1B, somebody that's at least pushing him, someone that they can use uh, a lot. Uh, or, and we've had other people that say, look, give, uh, give, give this guy another shot, uh, Tristan Jari, another shot uh, at the playoffs. Uh, what is your thought on, on the way that Hextall and Burke have approached to this point taking that, that latter route? Uh, I, I'm probably in the latter camp. I, I think they did check out the market for goaltenders, and I think they should have checked out the market for goaltenders. Sure. And I, think, I think you'd be remiss if you're a GM who, who doesn't try to see if you can improve yourself at, at every position. Um, it, it's kind of hard to argue with their, their logic that, that uh, – Tristan Jari had a, a generally very strong regular season. There were certainly some hiccups early and, you know, a, a few others over the course of the season, but that's going to happen with almost any goaltender. And, you know, he, in general, he played very well for them. He finished, is it 25 wins he had, I believe? I he finished top five in the league in victories. Um, I don't know that I would have brought in a guy uh, to challenge him for the top spot. Um, I, I think that, uh, you know, have, having somebody who, who could have been perceived as a threat, I'm not sure that, that any good necessarily would have come of that. And I, and I think Tristan, or excuse me, Casey DeSmith is a perfectly capable backup. I think that, uh, you know, if you're going to sink or swim with Jari, that, you know, there, there's no need to, you know, explore uh, replacements for DeSmith. I, I think he'll be, you know, perfectly fine in that role. All right. We are just getting started here on the 66 to 87 podcast. We get back, we're going to talk a little bit about Chris Letang and talk a little bit about development camp. And, uh, you know, obviously right now, some of these guys, we're not going to be seeing them in the NHL for a while if we're going to see them. But there are certain guys that are, have some something to prove. Dave wrote a little bit about that last week, and we're going to address that when we return on the 66 to 87 podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to the 66 to 
6087 podcast here on the PK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Uh, Dave, uh, the TJ Watt watch is over, signed, played, had an awesome first game. Uh, is Are we there to the point where Chris Letang watch needs to start as far as uh, when, is this, when is this extension that we all expect going to get done is there any any thoughts cause for concern or it's just going to happen when it happens uh yeah i don't think there's any urgency to to get a deal done i don't think that when training camp opens next week that you'll see chris letang only kind of participate uh on his own and, and not in some of the drills with his teammates the way they you know is done in football occasionally um from all indications both sides would like to get a deal done that doesn't mean that that working one out will be easy it doesn't mean that they will see eye to eye on on how long the deal should be or even what uh, what the range of of money should be but you know i it, it's not as if they have to have this done uh, by opening night or you know the any uh, looming deadline. So, you know, I'm sure that uh, these negotiations, uh, like those with uh, Brian Rust and Evgeny Malkin, uh, are, are on uh, Ron Hextall's to-do list, but I, I don't know that they necessarily have to be at the top of that list. Dave, who's the point man for something like that in this new organization? Who, who, who actually does the negotiating? A lot of times it's not the general manager that's, that's, that, that's kind of working on this. For the Penguins now, who handles that? I don't know. Uh, you know, there haven't been any contracts of, of consequence really, you know, negotiated with, with returning players from, from inside the organization. I suspect that, that the parameters of, of the deal are, are established, you know, uh, by a group, you know, Burke and, and Hextall and probably some of the, you know, the financial people um, as far as who would actually be involved in, in the day-to-day give and take with, with a player's agent uh, under this particular um management team I, I really couldn't tell you yeah I, I do want to go back to one point in our, in our first segment because you made it you made a big point and I didn't mean to slough it off I, I said I agreed with you but we looked around the league and and we, we saw the Rangers go out and address I don't want to say a similar need but to get bigger we saw I mean some will say they went over the top in in trying to prove their their toughness but but I guess the point was those players kind of players were available. And as you mentioned, Burke and Hextall from day one talked about the need to get this team bigger. You get any sense of why they haven't been able to pull the trigger on on maybe a second or third line guy that could add some of that snarl that they're kind of looking for? Uh, I, I'm guessing that the salary cap constraints are yeah. you know are the biggest thing. They only have about one hundred and twenty thousand dollars in cap space. Yeah. Uh, which is way below the league minimum. Uh, so, you know, you would have to shed a similar or larger contract, right? you know, in, in any deal to bring in a guy. Uh, 
So, you know, I, I'm sure that ties their hands to some degree, but I, I mean, I don't want to take away from the fact that, that I'm surprised that, that they haven't found a way uh, to bring in some of that, that size and muscle that, that, that they've made it clear that, that they would like to add. Yeah, I think in, in some ways you, you don't want to do what the Rangers did, I, in my opinion, with this team, because it is still a pretty good team. You don't want to give away a guy like Pavel Buchnevich just to bring in a draft pick and a third or fourth line guy just, just to bring him in to say, ha, huh, yeah, we, we, we've got that. But you do want to try to, again, if that's one of your objectives, uh, to, 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 to bring it in because we've seen it. We've seen it. It has been a bit of an issue. It wasn't as big as an issue as Tristan Jari. But in the last couple of years, we have seen teams winning the Cups that have been very balanced, that, that have some talent and also have that snarl. And that is not something that has been part of, the, of this team the last couple of years. So I didn't mean to bring that back up, but I, I did. I did. You, you were so strong on that point earlier. I did want to at least expand on that a little bit. Uh, if you're listening this weekend or just early uh, in this coming week, uh, you know the development camp is going on, and Dave wrote a, kind of a nice piece on on some of the guys that really need uh, need to, to really kind of to stand out a little bit uh, to make their mark. Over the, during this uh, abbreviated camp. Dave, can, can you shed some light on some of these guys that, that the Penguins are maybe will be looking to kind of take that next step? Well, the, the guy uh, that I'm particularly looking forward to, to seeing is Philip Hollander, uh, who they got, from, uh, got back from Toronto <laughs> in, in the Jared McCann trade. Right. Uh, I was very impressed with him during his first go-round with the Penguins, and wasn't entirely in, in favor of, of surrendering him in, in the trade that brought Kasperi Kapanen back to Pittsburgh. Right. Uh, but it, it will be interesting to see how Hollander, who has played in the, the top league in Sweden for the past three seasons, uh, how quickly he's able to get acclimated to the North American rink and, and the North American game. Uh, because, you know, I, I think he, you know, if he is able to make that adjustment relatively quickly, I think, I think there's a pretty good chance that he's going to be close to NHL ready. Uh, he's, you know, I don't see him. He's not going to be a game breaker. He's probably not going to be a top line guy, but I could see him fitting into a, a nice productive middle six role here. Um, the only question being whether that is sooner or later. Yeah. And certainly, and, and we know that GMs are always supposed to be high on anyone that they bring in, but certainly Hextall spoke of that way, that this kid was going to get a look uh, this fall to, to maybe uh, make his way into onto the roster. Maybe not, maybe not at the beginning, but certainly going to get a shot at some point here in the winter. Yeah, I'm. I'm thinking probably you could find Patrick Alvine's fingerprints all over that trade. Uh, he was in the organization uh, during Hollander's first go round here, uh, whereas obviously uh, Hextall was not. So I'm guessing that Patrick Alvine, uh, you know, was lobbying pretty hard to to make sure that Hollander was was included in, in the the McCann trade. 
Okay, for, for those of for those of us for those of the listeners, I should say, who haven't read your story, who were a couple of the other guys? At least maybe you can give a quick synopsis on a couple of the other guys that you're looking at. Well, first of all, I, I'm not going to forgive anybody who hasn't read the story <laughs> and committed it to memory. Uh, but on you know on the off chance that such a person exists, uh, the other three players that that I singled out there were there were two defensemen and and one other forward uh defenseman who i'm going to be particularly interested in seeing how he's progressed is is josh uh, maniscalco who when he was signed out of arizona state a year or so ago uh people had really high expectations for him uh i think largely because of how well john marino performed in his rookie season and that that probably some people got the impression that it was realistic to expect that from every defenseman who was fresh out of college. Um, Maniscalco did not adapt to the pro game nearly as quickly as as Marino did, but I'll be interested to see what kind of progress he has made uh, over over the course of the last year and to get a sense of just how far away from, from the NHL he is. Uh, the other defenseman that, that I'm looking forward to, to getting a look at is Cam Lee. He's 24. Uh, he has a, you know, a good offensive game. Um, he has the unfortunate uh, or misfortune of, of being a left shot, and the Penguins have no shortage of, the, of those on their defense. Uh, so, you know, it would probably take some some injuries or trades or, or something of that sort to, to have him move up significantly on the depth chart. But it, it does seem like he's a guy who could contribute to, at the NHL level at some point, uh, assuming his progress doesn't plateau. And finally, the, the other guy is uh, Jonathan Gruden, who they got uh, from Ottawa in, in the Matt Murray trade last year. Uh, projects as, as a bottom six guy, uh, hard worker, very, you know, very smart uh, or good hockey sense, which, you know, his dad is an assistant coach with the Islanders and played defense in the NHL. So I guess that's not a complete surprise. You often uh, expect coaches' sons to uh, have a pretty good handle on the nuances of the game. But, you know, it will be uh, interesting to see, you know, whether, whether he will, uh, you know, figure into the, into the Penguins' plans in, in the long term. I, I don't see him making a serious push for a job in, in this camp. But, uh, you know, the, he does seem like a guy who, if his career trajectory uh, stays the same, uh, will get here at some point in the future. Well, when you said a coach's son and John Gruden, I thought it might have been the, the Raiders coach that was coming in. And he did not strike me as a, a hockey dad, but uh, he would be quite, quite, <laughs> Chucky would, would be quite the dad for anybody. Uh, you get your son fired up. <laughs> All right. When we come back, we will be joined uh, by Tarek L. Bashir.
Welcome back to the 66 to 87 podcast, and we are delighted to be joined by Tarek Al-Bashir. Uh, you can read his fine work on The Athletic, and now he's uh, joining the Turner Broadcasting Hockey. Now, of course, you guys know Turner is, this is, they're going to be their first year, and uh, Tarek, you were saying you're going to be kind of a utility infielder. We'll see it just a little bit of everywhere huh, on coverage. Yeah, that, that's certainly the plan for right now. Um, you know, I, I think there'll be some times where I'm at the glass and some times where I'll be doing interviews between periods. And, you know, I, I, I think we're going to try and play to some of my strengths. And, you know, that would be, um, you know, sit down interviews and, and other types of uh, kind of longer form things. Um, I've got a little TV in my past. I've been a sports writer for, you know, 25 years, but um, I've done some broadcasting um, uh, quite a bit when I worked for NBC Sports Washington uh decent stuff in nhl network as well so i'm familiar with the camera but um uh, you know we'll, we'll we'll see how it goes but i i think utility infielder is a very good way of uh putting my job description here <laughs> uh well obviously you have been around for a uh for a long time in the washington market uh you've seen this uh, sid and ov rivalry play out i don't i don't know how you felt yesterday the last couple of days but i kind of got a smile on my face when i saw them doing the NHL media day kind of together. Yeah. Uh, Sid, Sid's saying he hopes that Ovi does break Gretzky's record. Yeah. And, you know, again, you, you've seen – you and Dave both have seen so much of this rivalry over the years. Kind of what's made it special for you in, in your eyes with Ovechkin and Crosby? You know, uh, Tom, I had the same feeling that, that you had yesterday. The, the Capitol sent out a picture of the, the, the two, you know, 30-somethings sitting there – um, for uh, for an interview, and you, know, you can see Ovi's gray hair, and you know Sid doesn't look like a kid anymore. And I was like, oh my god, where has the time gone? And then you know Alex Ovechkin just turned thirty six years old. Yeah, um, you know where is the time gone? And and you know just like you know most relationships, uh, theirs has evolved. I mean, they hated each other early on. I mean, they were they could not have been more diametrically opposed in terms of how they lived their lives, in terms of how they approached the game, in terms of how they played the game. You know, Alex was flamboyant and gave the Russian machine never break kind of type quotes. And, you know, Sidney Crosby was always very reserved and let his let his game do the talking. And you know, I remember, though, that Dave, you probably were at this game, the, the one where um, uh, Ovi and, and uh, Crosby kind of got tangled up and, they were yelling at each other back and forth from the benches and Ovi stood up and did like the, the, the chicken, you know, kind of like the, the chicken wings, like you're too chicken to fight me. Um, you, you know, and, and so they, they did not like each other early on. And now I think there's a deep respect and appreciation that is developed between the two. Um, you know, both have won Stanley cups. So obviously Crosby has uh, more rings than, than Alex does, but they both have, they both have, you know, uh, you know, reach the summit and they know that they're in their, you know, last five, six, seven years. I think Sid's probably got a few more. Um, and, and now they're kind of in, you know, let's enjoy the ride mode. And I'm not so sure you would have seen the two of them sitting down and looking so easy and calm in that moment <laughs> and comfortable in that moment as that picture that we, we saw yesterday of, of the two on set just kind of uh, looked like they were kind of yucking it up a little bit. Yeah, for yeah. me. Yeah. Go ahead, Dave. Jump in there. No, just uh, I. I think that if it came down to it, 
uh, if there was a game in progress and, and anything of consequence on the line, neither of them would hesitate to cut the heart out of the other. <laughs> I, I agree. No matter how, how well they seem to get along at an NHL media gathering. <laughs> I agree. A little bit like, although the, 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 what I'm, uh, the, the guys I'm about to use were never really totally had total animosity about it, but, but, but it's kind of become a kind of a bird magic thing, right? Um, yeah. Two guys that just recognize game. Uh, they, 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 they've, they've lifted the league. They, they, you know, in, in, with the, with the, with bird and magic, they probably saved the league. Uh, and these two guys have just taken the sport. And I, and I, I don't know if when we'll see the rivalry like this again, to be honest with you, two guys within the same division fighting for the same ice for like 17 years. It's been special. Let me ask you this. If if you had to say now, won't either Sid or Ovi gets one more deep run in a playoff run, or maybe one more shot at the cup, is it the Penguins or is it the Capitals? Mm, that's a tough question. I, I think both are trending in the wrong direction right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's honestly probably unlikely for, for, for either at this point. Um I mean, I, I I think I think the teams are really kind of on similar tracks at the moment. Uh, the difference is the Penguins have three cups, you know, uh, during the the Crosby era, and the Capitals have one, right? I mean, um, the Capitals are, you know, several decades from now when they have their you know their their reunions, they're going to look back. I mean, it was you know summoning the mountain was hard, and getting that cup was great, but I think they're going to regret you know, maybe messing around early on in their careers and not getting it done early, um, which gets back to how those guys were wired, right? You, you know, Sidney got one early in his career. Yep. Um, he played for another early in his career. And they took Alex and his and his group uh, a lot longer. I, I, I'll go with the Capitals. Uh, and and I'm, I'm, I'm doing that because I know them better. Um, again, I really do think it's unlikely. Um but as we know, I mean, the NHL tournament is the most random of all in pro sports. I mean, you know, it's a game played on ice with weird bounces and hot goaltenders and overtimes and <laughs> all sorts of things that, you know, um, uh, are, 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 you know, make this game so special. And I, I do think that I do think that if they're going to do it, if the Capitals are going to punch through one more time and take another run at it, it's got to happen here really quick because – the salary cap has really handcuffed them. Uh, like it has a lot of teams. They haven't been able to add the pieces that they thought, you know, several years ago when they were kind of looking at the the plan, they haven't been able to add those pieces and said they've been subtracting pieces to keep the, the big names in place. Um, if you look at this year's team, it's not any better than last year's team. You could probably make the argument. It's not quite as good as last year's team after losing Brendan Dillon. Uh, so it's, it's going to be a challenge. Um, and I, I'm not really, I'm not really expecting either to to make another run. I, I mean, and and for Capitals fans, we knew this was happening. This was this was the way it was going to go. You know, we saw it happen yeah, with yeah. the Kings. We saw it happen with the Blackhawks. We've seen it happen with the Penguins. The difference is those teams won multiple cups. <laughs> Caps yeah, have yeah. right. So, uh, I, I I think the next few years is going to be in DC is going to be hoping to punch through one more time, but you know, appreciating what. Ovi has done and watching him track down number 99. Can he get there? Right. Uh, you know, I think you, you make a good point. And Dave, Dave and I have talked about this before. 
And what we're really talking about is is two aging cores, right? Two yeah. cores that have been very good, that pitched battles against each other, but they're aging. One other factor, though, I think people from the outside look at this, and especially as we've seen the Islanders rise up here in the last couple of years. Yeah. Is it fair to say now that the Capitals made a mistake by not by let it, by let Barry, Barry Trotz walk after winning the cup? You know, I think in retrospect, and that's always a dangerous thing because everything is, you know, so much clearer and, and obvious when you look back at decisions you made. And sure. I, I think people within the Capitals organization probably would have wished things had turned out differently. Um, I, I do think that there was there, – there, there were other layers. There were so many layers to what happened. Uh, it wasn't just simply the Caps going, ah, we're not going to pay you all that money. You know, hit the road, Jack. Yeah. You know, Barry was hurt by how they let him go into that season kind of as a as a lame duck and kind of twisting in the wind at various points in that season when they when they had struggles early on. You know, this is the year they won the Stanley Cup. But he, he almost got fired in November. Um, I mean, that's well documented. I mean, I, 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 there were there were some conversations early on. Hey, do we need to make a change here? Um, so there was a lot of stuff going on, you know, in the coaches room, you know, some guys had extensions, some guys didn't have extensions. There was a lot of, of, um, stuff that maybe we didn't know about at the time that we found out in retrospect, but you know, and when you look at Barry Trotz, I mean, the, the day he resigned, there were pictures of him at the Newark airport, like that day, like he was already <laughs> to, to meeting Lou. Right. I mean, right. <laughs> um, so Again, I, I think the Capitals, and I have been told this by by people, they wish cooler heads had prevailed, but they understand that uh, it would have been really hard. It would have been really, really hard to 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 convince him once things had unfolded the way they did to convince him to stay. Um, you know, five years, twenty five million dollars. Does that does that get it done? Does that keep him? Probably. It probably does, uh, but I, I'm not, I just the timing of it that might have needed to be made before the cup as opposed to after the cup. Like I said, there was just a lot of hurt feelings and a lot of ego, and you know, yeah. when, when it's a bunch of men trying to make decisions. <laughs> yeah, I can remember. Away and, I can remember in the handshake line when they oh, beat yeah. when they beat the uh, Blue Jackets. Blue Jackets, yeah. And I'm he out of here. basically said, "I'm." He basically told Tortorella right there, "I'm done yeah. after this." So yeah. it was why it was wide open even before they won the cup. But I yeah. think Dave's, Dave's got a question for you here. Fire, yeah. Dave. Well, you don't have to go all the way back to the Barry Trotz era to remember a time when Evgeny Kuznetsov was really a core guy for the, for the Capitals. Uh, his career seems to have largely gone off the tracks here over the past year or so, though. What, what's gone wrong for or with him? Yeah, I you know it, it's it's a it's kind of a sad story as to you know um, uh, what's happened here. I, look, he's still he's still a very good player. He's, I, is he elite anymore? I, I don't know. We, we saw it during the Stanley Cup run. Um, you know, we saw it at the start of that next year, uh, the year after they won the Stanley Cup. That first the first month or so, he was one of the best players in the league, and then it's just kind of been a steady kind of decline from there. There was the the, the, the drug suspension, um, you know, handed out by the IIHF and then the, the NHL gave him a couple, you know, three games. Um, the talent is 
undisputable. I mean, it's it's there. I mean, you, you can't say it's not there. I would I went to watch an informal skate yesterday at um uh, uh, in Arlington, Virginia, and he's still skating around guys like they're not even there at 29 years old. I mean, like he still can be a dominant player. It's just um, like you said, I mean, things have gone off the rails. And then last year there was you know, he got covid twice. I mean, you don't want to. You never want to blame a person for getting sick in the middle of a global pandemic, but no one else in the Capitals got it twice, right? Um, you know, he's part of a group of players that got the team fined hundred thousand dollars for breaking protocol. He got suspended later in the year for missing a team meeting. I mean, there are just there are just things that are always seem to be happening with him that you know led to a summer of rumors of, you know, is he going to be traded? Is he going to be dealt? I, I still think, I, I mean, obviously nothing has come to fruition. I still think that's something to keep an eye on. Um, you know, as, as we, uh, as we get into the season, I think the Jack Eichel situation might, it, it might be holding up the center market a little bit in terms of trades. Um, and, and I used the word sad earlier. I mean, look, when I say sad, I mean, that's probably for Capitals fans because the guy has got so much talent. Uh, I mean, he's a guy who should be 80, 90, 100 points, and he, and he doesn't get there. And, you know, he, he has these games where it looks like he's broken through and, you know, he's, he's on track, and then he goes quiet for several games, and then he's not playing in the third period after a, after a turnover, and you're like, oh, here we go again. Um, I mean, you know, enigmatic is a word that gets used a lot in our sport. I mean, he really is a tough guy to figure out. Um He's just he's wired a little differently. I, I don't know how else to explain it. He's wired a little differently um, than the guys who are just driven to be the best they can every single day. I, I'm not sure that's him. Um, you know, they hired Peter Lock, Peter Laviolette a couple of years ago to kind of get through to him, and I, it's, it looked like it looked like midway through last year they were they were having a breakthrough. Uh, he hadn't been playing late in games. His ice time was down. He, he had a sit-down meeting with Laviolette. He started playing in the third period, started getting defensive zone face-offs, started getting trusted with more ice, and then, you know, gets COVID again, misses the start of the playoffs, misses a team meeting, misses, you know, uh, bench for a game, and then, you know, we are where we are. But I'll tell you this, he's he's the, the, the linchpin to this team. When this team is dominant, when they won that Stanley Cup, it's because they went Nicholas Backstrom, Evgeny Kuznetsov, and Lars Eller, one, two, three, down the middle, and and you guys in Pittsburgh know what it what what, what kind of fits that gives uh, the opposing team when you've got three strong centers. Uh, it, it's a, it's a game changer. Um, but he's got to get back to that elite level if this team wants to punch through one more time. Uh, uh, one of the uh, parallels that uh, the or one of the the, the Penguins and Capitals have been on parallel tracks kind of uh, in recent years. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that, that the Penguins have that I'm curious about, whether it's this true with the Capitals, is that Pittsburgh doesn't have many high-quality prospects <laughs> in the organization because they traded away so many early-round draft choices and things like that uh, when they were in win-now mode, uh, which it seems like they still are. Uh, is is the same true of Washington, or do they have some kids who could step in this year? Dave Winter is coming. <laughs> Winter is coming uh, for for both franchises. Unfortunately, I mean, 
And you can't really blame the general manager. I mean, Brian McClellan was trying to and has been and still is trying to keep that championship window open as long as he can. And what that means is that means dealing second and third round picks at the deadline every year for seven or eight years to go get um, what you need. Sometimes parting with a first rounder. And when you do that, you're you're uh, you, you know, you're it's harder to restock your farm system and, and, you know, the capitals farm system is, is probably bottom third. I mean, it's, there are some players coming along, you know, Connor McMichael, 2019 first rounder looks like he's going to be a a stud. Um, You know, is he going to be a first line center who puts up a hundred points? Maybe not, but um, you know, he's going to be a very good player. Um, They've got a couple of young defensemen, one of whom is going to be on the team this year, Martin Farivari. Um, Slovakian smooth, smooth skating uh, two-way defenseman. He's going to come in and, and play on the left side of the blue line, 21 years old. We got another Russian, Alex Alexiev, uh, big defenseman. He's going to be here sooner rather than later. So they've got some players, but they don't really have any game changers. I mean, I think Michael might be a game changer, but they don't have a, a ton of them, which is why I said winter is coming because when Ovi and Backstrom are done, I'm not so sure what what that transition is going to look like. I think it might be I think it might be a tough, harsh transition for a few years as they build back up. Well, Tarek, we, we've talked a lot about lions of winter. You are not a lion of winter. You're just really stretching out, and uh, we look forward to seeing you this year. Not only with your fine work at the Athletic, but also best of luck uh, with your new endeavor at Turner. Fans will be watching, looking for you, looking for your stories. And you're at, on the glass, at the glass, in the glass, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> uh, so all the best. And we, we, we certainly hope to have you on during the course of the season. Uh, for Dur- Tarek Al-Bashir, for Dave Molinari, this is Tom Reed. And that's it for this edition of the 66 to 87 podcast. <laughs>